In today's episode, I want to go to Russia, darn it. The mystery of Asbilts and 3D twins, you better get excited. Oil and gas has always challenged technology. Now it's time for tech to challenge back. Come hear how the best minds in the industry are making those solutions a reality on the Oil and Gas Technology Podcast with your host, Mark LaCour. Hey folks, before we get to our guests, please, 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 if you like the show, leave us a review. We got one from Lizzie 63777 from the United States. Absolute best podcast. Love the operational technology slant of the show, and I think the entire department listens by now. If you're in the oil and gas industry and, and are involved with the tech in any form or fashion, this should be on the top of your list. There's simply no other podcast that even comes close. Appreciate Nutanix paying the bills. Can you perhaps do a deeper dive on what they do? Regardless, please keep up doing what you're doing. So if you want a big shout out like Lizzie from the U.S., go ahead and give us a review. We'll be happy to do that. And if you like something to change, I'll take a one-star review. Just let me know what we need to change. And then, like Lizzie said, big shout out to Nutanix, who sponsors this show. Love those people over there. If you need help modernizing your data center and running an application at any scale, on-prem or in the cloud, these are the people you want to talk to. And I'm so lucky to have John Burton on today. How are you doing today, John? I'm very well. Thanks, Mark. Yeah. And John, off the top of my head, you don't sound like you're from West Texas. Actually, East Texas, <laughs> just, just outside. <laughs> no, I, I grew up just outside of London. Man, what a crazy world. You and I were talking about all the stuff that's going on. And it's just, you know, we're all this kind of still in this kind of lockdown stage. But you know what, John? Business still has to go on, does it? Oh, indeed. It's actually accelerated, if anything. Yeah. And so you have a little company that's doing some really cool stuff around uh, digital twins. What's the name of your company? It's called Ursa Leo, one word. Ursa Leo. Now, there has to be a story behind that name. There is. Okay, I'll tell it. So I got together with a lady called Angie Stitcher. Uh, she was at Apple for 10 years. Right. Knew her personally, and about three years ago, we decided to, to start a company. And as usual, we sat around a kitchen table and tried to come up with names. We realized we're both Leos, so we're actually born a day apart. So that, that was the easy part. And then we do use some engineering out of Russia. We actually went out to Russia right at the beginning to meet with those guys and interview them. And they took us out for dinner, and on the menu was bear. Ursula, I get it now. <laughs> yes, <Ursula>. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I had that's, been, that's I had what a great dumplings. story. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what a great story. You know, I'm I'm a little jealous. I've had plane flight changeover in Russia. I've never actually spent any time. It's on my list of things to do. I mean, they have such a vibrant oil and gas industry, mm-hmm. and they operate in some of the severest conditions on the planet. And I just want to go learn how they do that. So it's on my list. If anybody's listening, they want to help me get a trip to Russia and meet some of the the Russian nationalized oil companies. I'd love to. Get that uh, taken care of. But John, so tell me a little bit what Ursleo does. Yeah. So we, as I say, we're in the Silicon Valley. So we're kind of, you know, we're, we're in, in the middle of the whole uh, craziness up here. I'm from more of the hardware side of the business. And then Angie, my co-founder, as I said, was, was from Apple. She was there through the launch of the iPhone. We wanted to do something that combined our skills. So IoT and, and Internet of Things was an obvious place to go. And as we got into that, we decided that digital twins is kind of that seems to be the new area where there's a lot of activity. What we mean by digital twins, by the way, is three-dimensional photorealistic models that, that represent the, the real world. So we have put it, started putting those together. Oil and gas is one of our first markets, uh, one of the, the places we're actually doing doing some projects right now. Lots of different uses for them, but that, that's really where we got started was 
I'm from hardware, she's from software. We wanted to do something cool, something tech, something IoT, and digital twins became the uh, became the area we focus on. Yeah, so you know, digital twin is one of those words a lot of vendors throw around, like IoT and internet and you know, cognitive and all that sort of stuff. But really, what it is is a way for correct me if I'm wrong. What it really is is a way for you to work on something without actually touching the working model. So, for instance, I could do work on modeling a well, a tie a well to a pipeline without actually going out there and doing it and interrupting operations. So, it allows you to 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 practice or innovate without actually interrupting the business, the real the real piece of of reality that you're dealing with. Am I pretty close? It's certainly one of the use cases. There's quite a few. But yes, effectively, we've created something in the digital world, in our case, in the cloud, that represents the real world. And there's there's different levels of that. It can just literally be a database where you know sensor readings are being stored as numbers. Uh, in our case, it's, a, it's that, but also a three-dimensional model of whatever it is. So we're, we're taking you know the real world readings and we're using that to update a three-dimensional model in real time. At the extreme end, you get into things like simulating jet engines, where you know General Electric builds a digital jet engine and uses that to figure out you know where it's going to go wrong, which is a lot cheaper than running real jet engines into the ground. <laughs> yeah, but so I've seen some of that uh, in refineries where they come out with something called lidar, and they they basically measure everything that gets digitalized. Is that one of the places you get your data to create these digital twins? Yeah, LIDAR's a common one. Short-range radar is another one. Uh, just using photographs and measurements, like it can be done. But yeah, it's usually a mix of those things. Ideally, they already have a CAD model of the, the refinery. That is probably only true of newer installations, older installations. The CAD model isn't up to date, doesn't exist. And then, yes, you come in with LIDAR, radar, some photographs, and you, you do some scanning to get to your basic model. Yeah, the funny little secret that nobody wants to talk about in downstream here in the U.S. at least is most refiners and petrochemical plants have been there for a very long time. I don't think we've built a new fuel refinery in the U.S. since the 70s, other than that Meridian Group that's building one right now in North Dakota. Mm-hmm. And the truth is, no matter what type of as-builts they pull out, they're not right. None of them are. <laughs> There's so many years of stuff being moved and built that nobody went corrected the, the CAD drawings that you know sometimes they have to come out and literally start from scratch. And it's, it's it can be a very expensive thing to do, especially starts touching operations. Now, you said something I, I, want, I want to kind of roll back to, which, which you also talked about pictures. So are your 3D twins, you know, if, if I'm working with you and you're working on a, so let's, we'll stick to the refinery model, you literally can build a, I guess what I'd call it, a realistic photo, 3D image. I, it's not an image, a 3D what would be the word? I mean, you literally, I could look at my refinery on a screen, on my computer, and, and interface with it that way, move it around and stuff. Yeah, we actually use gaming technology. So if you think about, I don't know if you use play computer games, but you know, you probably know somebody yep. that does. And so you imagine a modern computer game, especially the three-dimensional ones, you're you're moving through an environment that's pretty damn realistic. I mean, it's not it's clearly a computer, but it's it's close. We use the same technology. So what you're looking at isn't a real refinery, but it's close. It's got textures and lighting and and it's uh, and we use, you know, it's it's just like being in a computer game. Yeah, so that, that's actually really cool. So what's interesting about that, there's a lot of spinoffs that's come off of gaming. There's a lot of stuff being done in the medical world that's come from, from three-dimensional type of game, a lot of virtual reality stuff. I think that's cool, y'all, using gaming technology, but you're right there in Silicon Valley, so that probably is not a hard thing to tap into. Well, it just saves you an awful lot of time and energy. I mean, those guys have invested so much money in how you do lighting, how you do textures, how you do virtual reality. 
to do all that stuff from the ground up would be a crazy investment and just not worth doing. Whereas, you know, you can go and use an off-the-shelf gaming engine and, and you, you start from a very, yeah, we've, we then got to feed it with the right information. But a lot of the, the basic problems have already been taken care of. Uh, so this is really interesting. So let's turn around and start talking about the business of oil and gas. You said that oil and gas is one of your, your target markets. Mm-hmm. So if I'm an oil and gas company, how would you help me solve a business problem? So obviously it depends what the business problem is, but the, the things we get into are typically around remote operation. So remote monitoring, you know, just looking at, okay, I can, I can see the pressure readings, the temperature readings on this model. It's a much nicer user interface than the traditional dashboard. I can put 5,000 sensor readings on a single screen and, and zoom in, zoom out. So that, that's sort of the most basic engagement. From there, we get into, okay, do you want to do remote maintenance, remote collaboration? We're just starting our first project around remote control, which has a whole bunch of security implications, but there's nothing to say an operator in Denver can't be doing things on a, an installation in North Dakota, you know, without having to go to North Dakota. Yeah, there's been a whole bunch of interest in that in this COVID-19 lockdown year has accelerated that. And it's interesting, it's, it's actually changed the culture. So just even two years ago, if you would have went to any petrochemical plant and said, look, we're going to do remote operations, we're not have guys in your control room, they would have said never, no, no, it will never happen. Now they're being forced that way. And so it's really interesting to watch that, the actual culture, the acceptance of this sort of stuff change because of the current environment that we're in. Yeah. And we've seen it across several industries, to be honest, all of a sudden, a, it saves you a lot of money. You know, if you if you can cut down travel time and cut down people being on site and, and have people being able to work across multiple sites without having to travel between them, obviously saves you a bunch of money. Then you get into the whole, okay, so now we don't have to expose people to, you know, potentially hazardous environments. And and those hazardous environments have suddenly become anywhere because of the virus. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is. You know, it sounds like y'all's business has, has benefited from this, and our business has too. And it's, I would have never in a million years guessed that the oil and gas industry would have been pushed forward as quickly as it's being pushed. And, and we've needed it to happen for a long time. It's just darn shame it took a pandemic and a global lockdown to, to make it happen. Yeah. So, one of the things that you, you talked about that I thought was interesting is besides the remote operations, the remote monitoring, you also talked a little bit about being able to help companies capture some of that knowledge that normally they would miss. Can we talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, so we have this digital twin. It's sitting in the cloud, so anybody can can see it from anywhere in the world. So some of the things we can do is, you know, the, the expert goes in, and it's, it's almost like doing a video Zoom call where, you know, you're, you're all looking at the same screen. So the expert starts running the model, and, and he can show operation on the model, and obviously, that is you know can be viewed by all the people that's uh, that are that are watching. So, at the most basic level, it's it's like running a video conference, but you're running a video conference with a real digital twin of a real thing as what you're working on. From there, we can get into recording, so we can set up an operator going in and, and recording how he he works on the unit. We can then use that for training. We can use that for testing purposes, and it's a great way to capture capture knowledge. And it's it's certainly an issue in some industries where you know, experienced operators are starting to retire and that knowledge can walk out the door with them and it's not something you can just write down. So yeah, we're seeing all of those those cases, you know, using it for collaboration, training, testing, generating videos of what not to do. So how to configure things in the right way or on how, how common misconfigurations and, and making videos out of these, uh, these 3D models rather than trying to make a video out of a real thing. Yeah, that's really interesting. So you touched on something that is huge in this industry right now, knowledge transfer. To your point, 
you know, somebody that's been in the fields of West Texas for 30 years, he's he has stuff that he can't even write down that he's just learned. It's ingrained. And to be able to capture that and then use that, use your tool to educate the new workforces coming in, that's that's amazing. And it's we have a huge need for it. But the other thing that strikes me is it's safe. You know, the old way is you take the young hand. I'll give you a perfect example. I was on a rig in November of last year, actually in West Texas, and we were standing under the derrick and we heard ding, 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 ding. And we all ran. We knew that somebody at the top of that derrick had dropped a wrench or something, right? right? But the <laughs> but the young guy looked up. He didn't know to run, right? And so I mean, it's a perfect example of how if he would have had some knowledge transfer, and I, I'm, I'm kind of being silly, but it was actually, it really did happen. It really did strike me. It's like this this young workforce is coming in, doesn't have the experience that we have. And even, even management, right? So you know, my generation, I'm 55 years old. We started in the field and we worked our way up. We worked our way in the office and, and, and toward the end of our career, maybe we were VP or something, but we started in the field. This new younger workforce is coming in. doesn't start in the field. They don't know what a, a torque wrench is. They don't know what a, a chains are for. And so to be able to, to capture that and educate people is amazing. Are y'all seeing a lot of attraction around that in oil and gas right now? I mean, we're pretty new, so I, I will, you know, just just a caveat on this. So we, we really launched this product in February right before COVID oh, what year. good timing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we were at a show in Houston uh, back in Feb- late February and I, I flew home and that was pretty much it. Uh, but yeah, no, all, all these things are coming. I mean, as we talk to oil and gas guys, it's, it's actually interesting. We start with, okay, we can show you a better, better way of looking at your stuff, better way of looking at your equipment, better way of monitoring your data. And then usually the ideas start to snowball from there. So it's like, oh, okay, now, now we can do that. Could we do this? Could we do this? Could we do that? And definitely knowledge capture and knowledge transfer is, is one of the areas that we, we started to see. And putting, you know, configuration videos. Uh, how do you actually put this equipment together in the right way so it works correctly? Which for one of our clients is a big issue. They, they get people misconfiguring stuff in the field quite a bit. Yeah, that can be dangerous. So if you if you don't put a blowout preventer back together the right way, it, it, it can lose control of the well. That could be uh, dangerous to the people and dangerous to the environment. I think it's cool you're able to do training using 3D models. It makes total sense to me, right? So the whole augmented reality, you know, the ability to manipulate things. Do, do how deep do y'all get on? So you're from the hardware side. How deep do y'all get in the hardware? I mean, are y'all are y'all past like just a, a monitor? Are y'all into Google Glasses or realware, intrinsically safe, that sort of stuff? <laughs> so hardware question, first of all. So yeah, we don't really touch the hardware. We we I understand okay. it to a, to a certain degree, but you know we're we're not in the in the business of installing sensors and, and going you know doing all that stuff. That's usually already done, to be honest, in the guys we're talking to. So we're, we're pure, purely a software company. We are very interested in moving the human machine interface forward. If you think about how you've used a computer over the last ten years. You know, 10 years ago, mouse mouse point click, and you're still doing that. But if you think about iPhones and, and touchscreen and pinching and expanding, and then you think about where voice is now, you know, we envision somebody going on site fairly soon and going, hey, Google, show me all the pressure readings within 100 feet of where I'm standing. I'm being able to bring up that data on a three-dimensional model on their iPad. We're not a million miles away from that. That, that, that technology is all in place. It just kind of needs to be implemented we're still a little nervous about how you know how good voice is, but it's getting better all the time. And then you move on to the next stages, which are you know Google Glasses, Apple Glasses. There's going to be Apple Glasses. We're pretty, we have it on good authority. There will be Apple Glasses. <laughs> <laughs> so that 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 technology, I don't think is quite there yet. There's a lot around how you use it, but I think it's going to get there, and it's going to get there with the big guys piling in. It's going to get there fairly rapidly. It's already happening. So I, I mentioned real wear. It's the only intrinsically safe wearable on the market. Total 
disclaimer, I sit on the board of Realware, but the auto gas industry is buying these hardware units like crazy because once again, this COVID-19 thing. And so they're, they're able to send their more junior people out in the field and more senior people can stay back and supervise them and make sure they don't do anything stupid. But to your point, the next evolution would be to take what you're doing and integrate that so that now they're looking at a 3D rendering of the valve they need to change the packing on. And now your 3D rendering says, unbolt this part first, then this part, then this part, then this part. So literally you're, you're, you can provide almost a hand-holding augmented reality layer so that people can work safer and faster without having to need 20 years of experience. I love it. I love it. This industry's needed this forever. <laughs> I hit your website real quick before we jumped on the mic. And if I remember right, correct me if I'm wrong, did y'all also talk about sales? Y'all want to touch sales? Yeah, so one of the uses that once you've developed one of these things, they're pretty realistic. So unfortunately, I can't show you one because we're not looking at the screen. <laughs> it's audio. <laughs> it's audio, and they're also proprietary. People have got you know, NDAs in place. But when you see one, you know, it's like looking at a real unit. You put on a virtual reality headset, you can walk around the thing, and it's like looking at a real real unit. You can also do cool stuff with it. You can make it fly apart so you can see the inner, inner workings. So rather than try to drag a 30-foot gas compressor into an exhibit hall, Oh, I get it. Take one of these things and let people look at it and then look at it in virtual reality, walk around it and make it do cool stuff. Wow. So any salespeople that work for any of the service companies, the Halliburton, Weatherford, Baker Hughes, those people, y'all need to go check out what John's doing because think about this. Your mud pump or your blowout preventer or your 60-inch ball valve, you can't bring that to a client. And the way y'all do it now is you bring the client to your location. But with John's help, you could actually bring it to your client. This might be a game changer for, for the sales organizations. I, I totally get it. It makes total sense. It's I love it. So I, I love when people take existing stuff and find a new application for it. I would have never thought you'll touch sales, but that that's that's genius. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> wasn't my idea. <laughs> it wasn't your idea. So one of the last things I kind of want to talk through is, you know, I love the way you're approaching this. I love your personality. I also love the fact that you're out there trying to help the oil and gas industry. Can we kind of talk through how the typical engagement would work? So if, if, I, if I'm a big operator, I reached out to you and said, look, I need help uh, training this new workforce we're bringing in at the end of this year. How would that flow? So we usually like to start with something pretty small. We're a smallish company. We're, you know, we're a startup. We've been around for a couple of years now, but you know, we're, we're relatively unknown. So before people make a big bet on us, we usually encourage them, let's, let's do something. And we'll model something, you know, a piece of equipment for two, three, five thousand dollars $5,000. It's not a huge amount of money. You get to own that model, if nothing else. So you've now got something that's you know, useful for sales and marketing and others. And then we take it from there. We, we then start mapping real data onto that. And then we start exposing it to your team. And what we find is it spreads like wildfire through the company. Like you said, the sales and marketing guys the market, you know, start getting interested. The maintenance guys started getting interested. Operations are interested. And it starts to go into all sorts of different directions. Uh, but we can take it by stages. So we're not asking for people to to jump in with a half million dollar check, which I think is obviously going to take a little while. But most of our engagements start with a, you know, little five ten thousand dollar projects, and we take it from there. Yeah, I love that. That's that proof of concept model that I, I tell salespeople all the time. It's like, don't go try to sell to Exxon. They won't buy. They're not going to buy anything corporate wide. You start small, take a little piece of their business, prove your value, and then guess who sells it to the rest of Exxon? It's their own people who go, this is great. You know, John saved us 30 days of design work, blah, 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 blah. And by starting small, you eliminate that risk, which is what, what everybody thinks of in this industry when you bring something new, is what is the risk of me adopting something new? And you're minimizing that risk aversion. I love it. Anything else you want to bring up that maybe we didn't cover? 
No, I think we've hit on a bunch of stuff. And, and yeah, it's a real interesting industry to work in. We've seen some very innovative uh, people who are very keen to, to adopt new technology. And it's been a lot of fun for us. We're, we're Silicon Valley. We don't get involved in oil and gas. You know, we, we got uh, we got involved and learned a hell of a lot doing it. it. It's much more innovative industry than I think we were expecting a little bit. Than most people think, right? Most people think we're heavy steel, dirty, and I venture in some ways that we're more high tech than aerospace. I think it's really cool here in the Valley, though. So one of the things you may not know is all the big oil and gas players about five years ago realized at the same time that the next thing they need to compete is not going to come from these huge tech companies. It's going to come from some startup like yours, some two-man shop in Chile. And so, you know, Chevron, Exxon, BP, Total, they all have presence in Silicon Valley, and they all have now internal venture groups who are looking for companies like yours. So I I joked earlier about the timing with the COVID-19, but in some ways, you know, your timing was really spot on because not that long ago, people wouldn't have flipped you as a smaller company. Now they have no problem working with you and they hope that you help them solve a problem. This is awesome. So this is the part of the show where we typically do a product review. Um, I don't have a product review this time. If you have a small techie product, want me to review, send it in. You know the deal. If it's great, I'll say it's great. If it's not great, I'll say that as well. Then you also heard me talk about the street team. Just go to Facebook. It's our all-volunteer group. We're up to about 300 people globally. We just basically ask you to help us with our social media. And in return, when life gets back to normal, you can join us as part of our press team if we're in your geographic region. And the Back to Nutanix, you know, big shout out to them. Love them to death. They enable IT teams to build and operate highly automated hybrid and private clouds. Plus, they understand the business of oil and gas. And John, they're giving away this really cool JBL Flip Force uh, Bluetooth speaker. I can't register, but you can. We, okay. we, give away, we give away one a week. It's really simple. Go to the show notes. Just click on the link. Or if you want to try to remember, it's uh, Nutanix.com forward slash OG Tech Podcast. But it's 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 a really cool, really cool little giveaway they're doing. And then while you're out in line, go ahead and go to the website. Give us your email address, oilandgastechpodcast.com. We promise not to spam you. And then finally, join our LinkedIn group. My marketing rock stars have blown that thing up. I think we're forty or 50,000 people at the, on the LinkedIn page. Go check that out. John, this has been great. I want to get you back on, say, in six months or so or whatever life gets closer to normal and kind of catch up and see where y'all are. Okay. But if people wanted to learn more about your company, where should they go? Uh, so obviously our website, ursulio.com, we do have an oil and gas section. So ursulio.com forward slash oil and gas will we'll get you to a little bit more information. And, and we're obviously happy to chat to anybody anytime. Yeah, and if people want to learn about you personally, where should they go? LinkedIn's probably the best place. So have a search for John Burton in San Francisco, Ursula Leo. That should come up pretty easily. Yeah, it's a, folks will put links in the show notes. So you just go to the show notes and click on the LinkedIn profile or the link to his company. John, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for spending some time with me today. I appreciate it, Mark. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, this is good. So folks, we are making sure you don't get left behind one episode at a time. And here are the events on deck. Hey everybody, Alex here with the events on deck. So due to current circumstances, of course, we are not able to have any in-person events. So I have nothing of that nature to update you guys on, but we have been hosting some virtual events. So OGGN is wanting to offer free webinars, live happy hours, etc. during this time. Since these events are not scheduled out as far in advance as in-person events, we would like to keep you guys updated via Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. So be sure to keep checking up on that and we'll keep you guys posted on anything we're offering. It has been free. We want to offer you guys value during this time that we're all at home. So please continue checking in and joining us for these virtual events. We are looking forward to seeing you guys whenever we're able to have in-person events and hope you're staying safe and sound. 
Check us out next week for another entertaining and yet useful episode of Oil and Gas Tech Podcast, a production of the Oil and Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.